You're listening to Thinking Within the Church with Andrew Ray Williams. Thank you so much for tuning in to Thinking Within the Church. This is a bonus episode with Dr. Joel Lawrence. The last couple weeks we've been talking with Joel about Dietrich Bonhoeffer's classic book, Life Together. And today he's actually agreed to come on for one more episode, grace us with his presence, and share a little bit about how to read Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So if you're interested after this discussion about picking up uh, Life Together or even another book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer or a book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Joel is going to help equip us to know how to read him well. And so this is going to be a shorter episode. It's a bonus episode, but super thankful for Joel being willing to do this because we've just enjoyed so much already um, his wisdom on uh, this topic for the last couple weeks with Joel, where he's going to be able to talk to us about uh, how to read Diedrich Bonhoeffer well. And before we actually do get to the episode, let me plug Joel's book about Bonhoeffer. You're going to hear a little bit about it in this episode, but it really is a great book. Um, I bought this uh, way before talking to Joel. It's a great book. It's called Bonhoeffer, A Guide for the Perplexed, published by T&T Clark. Highly recommend it if you're looking for a small, slim book um, on the main uh, themes within Bonhoeffer, how to read Bonhoeffer, with Joel Lawrence. Well, Joel, thanks so much for being back. Um, this is a little, this is a treat, an extra treat for us, um, and I'm excited to get into talking about this bonus episode on Bonhoeffer. And and so, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Glad to jump on. I think this is an important conversation after we've, you know, walked through life together. Hopefully, more people may be interested in reading Bonhoeffer. But I think as they as they do, it's just important to recognize some of the 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 dangers. In, in in reading Bonhoeffer and trying to understand how we can uh, learn from him for our time in a way that's that's healthy and productive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, why don't we start off with talking about um, about Bonhoeffer and, and what makes Bonhoeffer so unique in terms of the way people are reading him. And um, and yeah, so why don't you get us into that? Yeah, I think there are, are two primary reasons one is he really does cut across different theological uh, traditions. So he he was uh, raised in and schooled in the tradition of German liberalism. And, and by the way, when I when I say that Bonhoeffer comes from this tradition of of German liberalism, I, what I mean by that is that's a very kind of particular theological definition of a theological tradition of the 19th century into the 20th century that then plays out in different ways in different kinds of theology that we may today call liberal theology. But I don't mean that as just kind of a a big picture catch-all liberalism. There's a, a specific tradition that I'm I'm referring to there. Uh kind of the the height of that of his time was a theologian named Adolf von Harnack, who was uh, early 20th century church historian and kind of the leader of the German liberal tradition. And Bonhoeffer was uh, his uh, his TA, his teaching assistant. Um, they lived not far from each other, and they would they would take the tram from their neighborhood into the university together. So he was he was. Uh, definitely close with Harnack. He actually gave the the student oration at Harnack's funeral, right? So he has a, a rooting in that tradition, 
but then also he was captured by Karl Barth and the the kind of Bardian revolution. We'll just do a quick shorthand on this for folks. Bart also kind of trained in German liberalism, but rejects that through World War One. Uh, sees the weakness of that, and and so Bart kind of leads a revolution against German liberalism, kind of a return to to more classic Protestantism, more reformational Orthodox theology, and and Bonhoeffer is really captured by that as well, and so he's he's kind of between. Uh, between or in both in different ways. And so you can pick out different things in Bonhoeffer depending on what you're looking for. And so I think that's one of the challenges is wherever you're coming from in your own theological tradition, you can find something that Bonhoeffer said that will really resonate with what you are looking for. But there's also a lot else in there that's going on that that we may not be looking for or honestly may not want to see if our kind of goal is to read him to support what we already hold. So I think that that's one reason is just the breadth of his theological work. The second is he died at age 39. And when he died at age 39, he had written a lot. His last writings were the letters and papers from prison. And in that he's doing a lot of thinking about what is Christianity going to look like after World War II. After, frankly, from in his perspective, the church had 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 ruined its witness to the gospel through the 1930s and complicity with the Nazis failure to stand up, failure to be able to distinguish between theological realities and the political realities of the day. So he's doing a lot of thinking about what Christianity will look like. And and in that he's he's raising some some pretty profound questions. So his project ends there. So he doesn't have the opportunity after the war and really bring them to maturity and and really kind of pull the threads together that he had opened up. And so he's raising some pretty profound questions and he doesn't have the chance to answer those questions himself. And so what happens is after he passed away, a lot of other people have kind of rushed in to answer those questions for him. And so one of the interesting facts of of being in the kind of Bonhoeffer world is it brings people from lots of different kinds of theological traditions. He attracts people from across the theological spectrum. So there's actually a book that was written probably about 20 years ago now called The Bonhoeffer Phenomenon by Stephen Haynes. And, And in that book, he's basically tracking four different traditions of interpreting Bonhoeffer. He talks about the radical Bonhoeffer, the liberal Bonhoeffer, the conservative Bonhoeffer, and the universal Bonhoeffer, right? And so there's different ways that different people read and appropriate Bonhoeffer. And and I think I I just want to encourage folks, if they want to dig more into him, just to have some awareness of that and and some of the, the opportunities in reading Bonhoeffer, but they're also come some challenges if we're going to be honest to who he was and and what he was talking about. Yeah, that's super helpful, Joel. So um, yeah, it's, that's, that's a lot of Bonhoeffers. It's a lot of different kinds of Bonhoeffers. And uh, I think that's, that's helpful to know because a lot of times, like you said, um, we can come in sort of with our own agenda. And I think we do this, you know, with when we read almost anything, I mean, 
It sounds like Bonhoeffer is sort of like the Bible, right? We we go and look a little bit for find what, what we're we looking want, for, and we're fine what we're <laughs> yeah. looking for. Um, yeah. But that's super helpful when you're wading through um, uh, studies on Bonhoeffer, because, like you said, you'll find lots of different kinds of people. Uh, what are you finding today? Some of the ways that people are reading Bonhoeffer today. So I think one of the the most prominent uh, writers on Bonhoeffer today kind of at the popular level is is Eric Metaxas who some of the folks listening may have may have heard of him may have read his book on Bonhoeffer that came out probably about 10 years ago now I would guess um and and I think I think that 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 book it it made the New York Times bestseller list when that book came out and I would go teach about Bonhoeffer lots of people would would come up and ask me about about the book. Um, and I, I just think it's important to recognize some things that are that are going on there for folks who who may have read that book or might be interested in reading it, just to kind of put it in this context of different receptions of Bonhoeffer. I think Metaxas is a is a really uh, he's an excellent communicator. He's a very good writer. He he tells the Bonhoeffer story in a way that's really winsome and really easy to to understand um in terms of what he's addressing so it's been a very a very popular book in that way the the challenge with it is that i think metaxas really does fall into this trap of having a project in his own mind and then looking at bonhoeffer as someone who undergirds and justifies metaxas's own project without really understanding Bonhoeffer's context. So what what Metaxas does well is, as I said, kind of tell the Bonhoeffer story in a way that's really easily readable and accessible to folks. But the challenge with him is he doesn't really understand the historical, political, uh, cultural, philosophical, theological context. Um, and, and Metaxas isn't, he's not a, a Bonhoeffer scholar. He's, he's a journalist. And so it's a journalistic kind of a report, but it, it definitely runs uh, into this problem of taking Bonhoeffer out of his context and bringing him into ours to be a champion for our project rather than truly understanding his project. And, and so I, I just think as people ask me, you know, what do you think about that book? My my response is always, I don't tell people not to read Metaxas. I say, when you're done reading Metaxas, don't think that you understand Bonhoeffer in the entirety, that there's other things that you need to read in order to fill out the picture. Uh, because frankly, just to be very blunt, Bonhoeffer is not a, a, an American evangelical. Um, he's not he's not battling American evangelical culture wars. So there are things we can learn from Bonhoeffer, but to try to pull him and make him a champion for our time and our cause, I think is is doing a, a great disservice to him. And and frankly, is to do it that way isn't really helping us to have clarity about what our witness needs to be in this time. That's super helpful, Joel. Uh, it's super helpful because it's it's hard to overstate just how um, 
at the popular level how big this narrative has been about Bonhoeffer. So when when the common when common people and even in the church hear about Bonhoeffer, um, a lot of times it's because of of this book by Metaxas. And he recently yeah. wrote another book um, called uh, Letter to the American Church, where uh, rather than just having a slant on Bonhoeffer from a biographical standpoint, he actually utilizes Bonhoeffer to um, push some of his ideas of how pastors and how churches need to respond within our context, uh, particularly because of, uh, particularly in the moment that we're in and utilizing uh, Bonhoeffer's resistance against Nazism and uh, the the German Lutheran's uh, church's complicity within um, accommodating Nazism to how churches and pastors are responding today. And uh, like you said, uh, rather than uh, when we're trying to take Bonhoeffer to one context and putting him to, into another, there can be real dangers. What's what's dangerous about this narrative in the way that Metaxas is utilizing Bonhoeffer in this way? I, I think what's what's dangerous is it he's taking Bonhoeffer, putting him onto the 21st century American political spectrum and positioning Bonhoeffer in one place on that spectrum, which is where Metaxas is, right? And this is what we do. We we find people, we make them to agree with us. We extract from them that which supports our position. And then we utilize them as an authority figure for our particular project. And, and so what concerns me about, about this way of interpreting Bonhoeffer is uh, frankly it's intellectually dishonest it's it's not a recognition of the dis differences between what what bonhoeffer was facing and what we are facing and it's a pulling of bonhoeffer into a position that is actually metaxas's position and making bonhoeffer kind of his justification for his own position exactly because Bonhoeffer is admired and because Bonhoeffer's resistance to the Nazis is looked back in you know historical context as something that is really profound and that a lot of people in his time and in his place didn't do what Metaxas then is doing is taking that context and trying to fit it into our own but in a way that that I, I don't think actually does the hard work of really trying to grapple with what are the what are the resonances between then and now and what are the, the distinctions between then and now. And and I just think if if Bonhoeffer if Bonhoeffer dropped into 21st century America, I don't think he would be a an American right wing evangelical culture warrior. I don't think that's where he would would find himself operating i think he would have some uh, uh appreciation for some of the things but he just can't simply be dropped into our context and made to fit our context now i'll say this too a lot of bonhoeffer reception is more on the the progressive left i also think if, if bonhoeffer dropped into america in the 21st century he wouldn't just naturally fit on the progressive left yeah. either so uh, this happens across the spectrum 
this is part of this this challenge of the the four Bonhoeffers that Haynes has yes. has worked out for us. And there are there are difficulties in trying to to make him a champion of any of our particular uh, visions because he just doesn't quite fit. And I think there's way in which he's he's unique in that sense, in, in that he he really was in his own time resisting the categories. And, and and so now when we try to categorize him for our time, that's just not doing him justice or doing the proper uh, amount of, of work and reflection that we need to do in order to honor his legacy. Yeah, that's, that's very helpful, Joel. You know, I do think about, um, you know, I love his ethics, even the fact I wish he would, he would be able to finish it, but I love his ethics and probably most of all of his writings. And, you know, if, if you read his ethics and are familiar with his ethics, people will know that, he is not the kind of ethicist who has these kind of very clear uh, line in the sand, do this, do that, very black and white. It, it, his ethics come down to really responding to God yeah. rather than having a lot of um, absolutes. And so to to use Bonhoeffer in these ways, both for the the progressive and the um, the conservative causes, uh, like you said, is really doing a huge disservice to what Bonhoeffer really was all about. Yeah, ethics starts, he says at the beginning of ethics, you have to give up the two questions that brought you to think about ethics. How yes. can I be good? And how can I do good? Right? These aren't the proper ethical questions from his perspective. Those are centered in the self. And the problem is we're centered in the self. That is the ethical <clears throat> problem. That's what the, the story of Christianity is we've we become turned in on ourselves. And so when we frame the ethical question, how can I be good or how can I do good? We think, well, it's good to want to be good. And he would say, but the problem with that is that when we're saying, how can I be good or how can I do good? What we might be cutting out there is what actually is God at work doing? And so he says the the proper ethical question isn't how can I be good or how can I do good? It's what is the will of God? And that then becomes a much more complex kind of an ethical question to ask. Now I wouldn't say he's a rel- he's not a relativist, right? He's not just a hey whatever floats your boat, you go and do that. But it is more about are we really paying attention not to moral systems, but to the present Christ, to the living Christ who is calling me here and now to obey him and to follow him. And that may not fit into our preconceived ethical notions and it certainly doesn't fit into the the categories of the political spectrum of of the age. So to to take the gospel of Christ and try to fit it into any one particular political philosophy is by its very nature to do to do damage to the gospel. And so I think Bonhoeffer is very much keen for us to rethink the kind of ideological structures that tend to form our minds and form our worlds, form the pattern of the age, as Paul talks about in Romans 12, and really be reflective about how easy we can be captured by the pattern of the age, even in our desire to live out the gospel and resist that through, again, this theme, I think it's come up every episode that we've talked about, the presence of Christ, that that Christ is present today, calling us 
to obey him. And that call to obey may surprise us. It may take us in some directions that we wouldn't expect. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's great, Joel. Now you said earlier about Metaxas's biography that you don't tell people not to read it, but you have a qualification. I don't expect to really fully understand Bonhoeffer. What are those books that you would suggest that yeah. people, if people are interested in exploring Bonhoeffer more, that you would say, these are some great books that you'll begin to understand Bonhoeffer a lot better? Yeah. So may I be so brazen and self-promoting as to suggest my book that I wrote? I just set it up and it's a great book. So please, (laughs) please. So my uh, my book is called Bonhoeffer, A Guide for the Perplexed. Uh, And uh, the the gist of it is I take a number of statements that he makes in these prison letters, which are kind of the um, you know, profound questions that he's asking, but also raising some really interesting questions about the future of Christianity and just kind of track those through Bonhoeffer's theological development. So really, it's kind of a multiple passes through Bonhoeffer's work. And uh, I, I hope it's helpful. I've, I've heard from folks that it's been helpful. So encouraged to hear that. Uh, there's a, another biography that I would suggest. It's by Charles Marsh. And it's called Strange Glory. And Marsh is, uh, he's an excellent writer. He tells the story well, uh, but he's a Bonhoeffer scholar. He's a theologian of Bonhoeffer. And so he does understand the theological context of of Bonhoeffer and the philosophical context. So I think in terms of the readability of Metaxas, Marsh is very similar to that, but I think does a, a much better job of understanding Bonhoeffer in his own time. And in his own place, um, so those are those are two that I would suggest as as people want to dip in and, and get started. Um, there's certainly more. Uh, I don't know if there might be a way to put some links and some notes or something like that on the podcast, but absolutely. Um, but those are two that I would I would encourage people to start with. That's great. That's great, Joel. Well, thank you so much for this bonus episode, and I do really encourage people to pick up Joel's book. Bonhoeffer is a guide for the perplexed with TNT yes. Clark. That's yes, correct. It's, I've, yep. I've read it all and I, and I will say it's, it's a really good book, a very good introduction. So if you want to dig in more, uh, grab Joel's book, but Joel, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been so fun. And I know yeah. I've, I've already heard from a lot of people that they've enjoyed it and I've sure ever enjoyed it. So thanks again. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I, I've, I've really enjoyed it as well. So maybe sometime down the line, we could dig into another Bonhoeffer book. That'd be fun. Let's do it. That'd be awesome. All right. All right. Thanks again, Joel. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking Within the Church. Really means a lot. If you also don't mind to rate and review the show, that really does help get the word out. You can review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform of your choice. Thanks again, and hope to catch you next episode.